Welcome to the Estates Made Simple podcast. I'm Jenna Carvello with Guardian Estate Company, and I'm here with our co-host, Gordon Vanderleek of Vanderleek Law. How are you, Gordon? I'm doing well, Jenna, and yourself? Great. Yeah, I can't complain. The sun's shining, and uh, we're, all, we're both smiling, so that's a good thing. That is a good thing. And it's uh, uh, before we hit the record button, uh, we were reviewing our topic for today. And I, I think this will be an interesting one. So yeah, always excited to uh, to do some podcasting with you and to get this also out to, uh, to YouTube. So welcome to our listeners and our viewers. And uh, we look forward to chatting about when to step down as an executor. And before we dive in, we'll give a little disclaimer to our listeners that what we talk about today is not legal, financial or tax advice in any way, shape, or form. Um, If you do need advice, please seek out a lawyer or an accountant or a financial advisor for your specific situation. And with that, um, I'll let Gordon dive into the topic. Yeah, as we said, when to step down as an executor. So this is a scenario where, you know, maybe you're already appointed or you've been nominated and now you're faced with a choice of well, do I do this or not? Or you're in your role and you have to consider when do you uh, when do you step uh, step down? So the first thing to remember is that the role of the executor is a choice. And I say this to clients when we're doing the planning and drafting, for example, the will to say, well, you better check with the person you're nominating because it's not like they're obligated to serve in that role. They can say no, right? So that's point number one is they can say no. And we want to make sure they're willing to serve in that role because just because their name appears in a legal document called a will doesn't mean that somehow they're 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 bound to, to do so. So from the perspective of the executor, if that's you and you find out you were nominated, whether you agreed to that in the past or 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 not, uh, you do want to consider whether you should take on the role. So um, I guess the second point I wanted to make was it is important to consider the issue of renunciation at the very very early stages of the administration of the estate. In a situation where you have moved too far along in taking actions to administer the estate, then you may be obligated to continue. It may not be, there may not be that the, the same opportunity or a court order is required to remove yourself in that situation, right? So you, the, the best advice would be to, before you begin the work, is to consider whether you're able to do that, right? Do you have the time? Are you willing, you know, has there been something that has changed from when you said yes, that would result in you being, having to take the position that you should step down uh, from that uh, from that particular role. So it's not that it's impossible to resign after the fact, it's just more complicated and permission of the court may be required, which sort of makes sense, right? Because if, you, if you're in a situation where in fact you say the work is partly completed, well, it's sort of unfair to the beneficiaries of the estate or other parties interested if you just sort of back out and then there's nothing that's going on, right? So you, you do have those positive obligations to fulfill your duties once you accept them, but you can renounce before you start. Obviously, the best thing would be make that decision before you say yes, but we understand that life circumstances do change and maybe it's appropriate for you to to renounce, right? And sometimes that happens even with trust companies, right? That, that they could be nominated. Um, I had one case where the person had to sign the will quickly and, and we nominated a, the trust company and then we're in the process of getting their consent and then the fellow passed away. So in that situation, the trust company looked at it and said, no, we don't want to, right? We're renunciating, which was perfectly their right. 
uh, to be able to do so. So so just don't assume just because it's in the document that you know that means you have somebody who's willing to serve for the duration of the of the estate. So maybe to 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 add to a bit of the context, Jenna, from your maybe even particularly your experience and what you've seen in different estates, what would be some reasons why people would want to renounce that that appointment or resign from that position? Mm-hmm. Well, I think you touched on a few of them. Um, the first and, and primary reason would be the time or the desire. Uh, if you don't have the time or desire to administer an estate, then that's a good indication to step down. You know, we've talked previously that the average estate in Alberta could take somewhere around 18 to 24 months. And so if you aren't going to be in town or you're busy with your own children or, or aging parents, you know, that's that's really difficult to stick around for that period of time and have that always on your mind and the task list at your desk and, and you know, all the contacts that you need to make. So, you know, really think about the time commitment. The other thing is um, if there's conflict amongst family members or amongst beneficiaries, a conflict can produce a very uh, difficult estate administration, not only from a financial perspective, but also from an emotional perspective, particularly if you are a family member yourself and you're making these decisions on behalf of the estate, your siblings or cousins or nephews and nieces, you know, they're going to have to look to you to make those decisions. But if they if they don't get along with you, then, then that's going to be a very difficult estate administration. Um, we also see you know, along the same lines as unreasonable beneficiaries. And there's not really a definition of unreasonableness, but if you think about trying to do a job at, at an office environment and you always have people asking, well, why are you doing that? Why did you make that decision? You know, then that, that obviously does produce a very difficult administration. You're smiling too, Gord. I know you've yeah. probably come across some some difficult beneficiaries in your day, but if if the beneficiary is not reasonable and doesn't understand what you're trying to accomplish and and yeah. you know trust the role that you're in, then you know that's that's a very difficult period of time. Yeah. And I think to add to that, a lot of times the beneficiaries are obviously, to state the obvious, quite invested in the in yeah. the outcomes of the estate. I mean they're they're looking at going well that's my inheritance or that's the gift that could be a very big deal to them right so it's something they're paying attention to they're very they may have a variety of opinions but maybe they're just people who are difficult to deal with right so you you know you want to assess that in terms of the role because that increases the amount of time and the stress and and maybe the work required to negotiate agreements and 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 resolutions to problems and to obtain the uh, you know get keep the beneficiaries on tight. The communication strategy is going to be much more difficult. With what I, I remember a friend of mine years ago called them sandpaper people, right? You know that <laughs> that those that they just you know they sort of grind every time you talk to them. Like it's a hard conversation. They're not. Yeah. It's not easy conversations. Some people are are just sort of wired up that way, or they're taking very strong positions for one reason or the other with regard to their entitlement in the estate. And, and certainly that could lead to the potential for litigation, right? So you want to size up that estate going, okay, I don't mind handling an estate that simple, but if you go, I'm not the right person to be able to manage complex litigation or that could go on for years and years, I don't have, you know, I just can't do it. I'm not going to be the best decision maker in that circumstance. It'd be better to make that acknowledgement up front. Yeah, and, and that's a good point too. If if the estate owns risky assets or it's going to be very complex to administer, you, you may want to step down because as we mentioned before, you're liable for, you could be liable for mistakes made during the course of administration. So if it's, you know, complicated business assets, 
assets or um, private corporation that needs to be wound down and you just are way over your head. Of course, you can seek legal and, and accounting uh, guidance, but still, you still need to make decisions at the end of the day. And, and maybe it's just too complex to take on and, and the liability associated is is too much for, for your emotional well-being. <laughs> yeah. So you got you to be ready for it, right? And, yeah. and recognizing that you go through different phases in life and you just sometimes have to make that particular decision, right? And so you want to protect yourself from a liability perspective to do that in a timely way, get appropriate legal advice with regard to how to protect yourself uh, in that scenario. If you can't make your way past the point of saying, listen, if I get help, can I do this, right? I mean, that's, I guess, the other implicit in our conversation would be getting to a point where even with help, you you can't see your way clear to completing the job because you don't want to do a poor job or not complete it because that's going to create liability. Right? Yeah. Definitely. And so those, you know, those are some of the most common areas, but maybe you can talk more about other reasons you may want to step down for conflict of interest purposes. Yeah, that's one that we see, I probably see a little more regularly that, or in fact, I sometimes have to bring an application to get somebody to who doesn't want to step down to step down because they're in a conflict of interest. Uh, one that tends to come up a fair bit would be if you're going to make a claim against the estate, right? Yeah. So obviously you can't deal with you know, if, if you're if you're making a claim against the estate, you're not the one who can who can decide that or make some decisions with what to do with regard to that claim. So sometimes you might see it that in a blended family situation, that second spouse is in fact the one who may have a family maintenance and support claim. In other words, that you know, saying, "Hey, I didn't, I wasn't left enough money. I need more money, so I'm going to make a claim against the estate to get more than what I'm given under the will." So in that situation, you can't be the person who's not only administering the assets, but also advancing a claim, right? Uh, you can't be on both sides of that of the table on that one. So you'd have to say, if you're in a conflict, then you need to resign. So in some cases, you know, you, you live with a certain amount of conflict. Sometimes people say, well, what if, what if, you know, can you be a beneficiary and an executor? I mean, that's fairly common, right? That, mm -hmm. that you might say, oh, one of the three kids is the executor, but also is going to get a third of the residue of the estate. Well, that's not going to disqualify them in and of itself. And we kind of live with some of those conflicts in, in the normal course. But it would be certainly if you say, you know, I think I'm owed some money or there's reasons why you're going to have transactions with the estate, it would be better uh, if, in fact, you're you're not you're not in that role. And, and that may you may be forced out of it if you don't agree that you're in a conflict of interest, uh, but that's something to, to look at ahead of time, right? And in a scenario where you're, there's a potential to make a claim. In a situation, uh, too, we see sometimes that a business partner might be appointed in a will, because uh, obviously if you're in a partnership, you're running a business together, then that's going to put you in that very difficult position of trying to negotiate the sale of the business. And maybe there's a shareholders agreement with buy-sell provisions, right? So that you need somebody independent to make sure those buy-sell provisions are managed properly. Properly. So putting the person who's buying the deceased person's interest in the business would not be the right choice, right? They're in a difficult position to be acting fairly, particularly if there's subjective decisions that have to be made, like valuations and tax filings and things which could go either way, right? And you want to make sure you don't put yourself in that position. So if you're being asked and you know that oh, this is going to be a position, that would be a reason to say, don't even put my name on because I'd have to declare a conflict of anything, which kind of means the person's of no benefit to the yeah. uh, to the estate because they're in a position where they're stuck moving forward on anything because of that because of that conflict because of that conflict of interest. So those are a couple of examples of situations where you know 
I guess ultimately you could come to the courts to say, well, the person doesn't see that it's a conflict of interest, but they can't carry on. We want that person, uh, that person replaced. I guess the other area that comes up in terms of a reason to resign is sometimes due to poor performance. So if you have an estate and you're not performing your duties in, a, in an appropriate manner, the court can remove you, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe you should say, okay, I, I started into this, but I, I just don't have the capacity to finish it and then put a plan in place for somebody to replace you. It may require a court order to change the change the situation, uh, to, to, to redo the grant application. But, but those would be reasons why people would be removed and doesn't happen often. And most people say, hey, if I agreed, I'm going to do it. But you want to examine, are you the right person? Hopefully ahead of time. But if it does come up, you want to make those decisions earlier and, and ensure that you renounce in a in an appropriate manner. Right. So as just to summarize here, you know, if you are appointed as an executor and somebody passes away and you're looking at the will and seeing your name as the executor, really take a moment to pause, think about the role, think about the upcoming tasks and decide if you want to take action. If you want to administer, then go ahead. But if not, as Gord mentioned, it's very simple to renounce. It's a one page document. You sign off before you make any tasks in the estate administration. Um, Otherwise, if you continue through the estate administration and make decisions, you can always step down at that time, but it is more difficult. As Gord mentioned, you may have to go to court to to get approval to step down. So uh, just be thoughtful in the decision making and uh, and you'll be okay and seek advice when you need it. <laughs> yeah, and I think get the advice. And then if you're even asking the question, should I do that? And you're in the you know, you're you're thinking of going in, I think it's appropriate to, to highlight what we talked earlier that you can get help. Right. You can hire professionals. You can go to trust companies and say on an agency basis, can you help me with this estate and just hire them to do it? So you can't delegate decision making, but you can delegate tasks and get help for that, uh, which which may not seem intuitive. It may feel like, well, I I have to do this all myself. So I, I, I wanted the listeners to understand that on the issue of removal and can I do this or should I do this, know that help is there. Uh, you want to want to seek out the help and not say, hey, well, I said I was going to do it. It feels like a personal obligation and I got to tough this out, right? I mean, it, there, there, there are potential solutions to get help, which maybe is it avoids having to go through and do and do that. But those are really good questions also to ask at the front end, right? Is making sure you get the support you need to complete the work. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Gord. Always a pleasure. And to our listeners, Indeed. thank you for listening. Um, please feel free to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Have a great day. <laughs>